Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with a great guest, Chris Arison. Hi. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This is a long time coming. We've been talking about this uh, for a long time, or rather started talking about it once, and I remembered it for like a year and a half. Yeah, so we met at Dragon Con a couple years ago. Yeah. And we met through my wife, Dana Swanson, who does lots of stuff for Adult Swim, as do I. And I think I just, I don't know how I started just blabbing about my particular obsession to you. Yeah. Like, I don't even know how it started. Yeah, like, well, I remember it vividly because uh, we had a, a nice talk at Dragon Con, but then there was a, a specific party at San Diego Comic-Con where... Oh, was it Comic-Con? Where I, I think it, it may be come up that you were obsessed, but, uh, but Dana had recently done the podcast. Oh, okay. And yeah. she was like, you should talk to Chris. He loves Halloween. And like, I had had a few drinks. But I remember this crystal clear of because it was a very loud party. You're like, I love Halloween. I, I, I like how already I've misremembered how this started. I've I've said the wrong con. That's that's a good way to start. It's this. an accurate con. That's where we actually first met. But yes. uh, for people who don't know you, can you tell people a little bit about who you are and what you do? Well, I, my name is Chris Harrison, and I work at Adult Swim Digital. Awesome. So, Adult Swim Digital. I, half of what I do is I'm a copywriter, so I supply all the shopkeeping on the site you go to the site you see all the words i write all those and i keep track of all the shows and so forth the other half of what i do which is a bit more dynamic <laughs> is uh, <laughs> we started a couple years ago doing live programming every weekday so i work on a couple of the shows um one of the shows is called fish center <laughs> fish center is quite literally cameras aimed at the fish tank at william street and the fish swim over superimposed coins. And there are four uh, moderators. Well, there's a moderator and three other hosts <laughs> who commentate over the action of the fish. And they yeah. keep score of the fish. And they all have names and personalities. And when I was hired, I was hired right before this started to happen. And at the time, I was feeling insecure. I had no idea how to contribute to this new job at Adult Swim. So I just started writing songs about the fish, uh, Weird Al Yankovic <laughs> style. And they caught on, like Michael Azzo, the president of Everything Adult Swim, was like, that's great, that's interesting, get him to do more of that. <laughs> and so that's, I would just do this, I would just, I would wait until there was something interesting in, in the tank, like sometimes the fish would bully on other fish, and then I'd write songs based, and I've, I've literally done like hundreds of these bits of music. And over the last couple of years, we've had a lot of fish die, so I've also become the Elliot Smith of fish so you eulogize the fish yeah very much so like and we've put out compilations like now that's what i call fish cuts volume three and it's the weirdest thing and the job very much uh is is kind of similar because to something i did many years ago because uh you know homestar runner yeah so homestar runner uh around 2003 i was introduced to them through two different like groups of friends cool uh, mike and uh matt chapman and I learned that they were doing an album with my friends who are now in a band called the Yacht Rock Review. The biggest yacht rock band in the country are my friends. And they also co-wrote this album called <laughs> Strong Bad Sings. Okay. And I co-wrote a bunch of songs on that and played throughout that. So very much like uh, the musical, like writing musical parodies and so forth that I yeah. did with Strong Bad back in the day, I now do it at Adult Swim. And then one other job I do, I uh, work on a show called Stupid Morning Bullshit. <laughs> which airs at 6 p.m. Eastern every day. Uh, we had a time change, but we have not 
thought of a better name yet. <laughs> so is it just irony now? Yeah, now it's just like, it, we call it Stupid Morning Bullshit Evening Edition. Okay. And there's a host, Sally Skinner, who, you know, addresses the stories of the day, uh, such as anything killer robot related, end of the world related, uh, Elon Musk or anything like if there's been a poop mishap somewhere okay. in the world like we cover it poop and robots yeah and i i do the sound on it but i also appear as part of the peanut gallery who talks and whenever the, and i'm also the oldest person in the room so whenever somebody wants the opinion of somebody who remembers when reagan was almost assassinated everyone looks at me and i chime in so that's cool. what i do at adult swim that's pretty awesome you get to do rich creative stuff yeah, I mean, like, some of it's mundane, and right. some of it is, quite literally, I'm sitting at my desk trying to think of things that rhyme with, you know, like, gl- bl- blowfish. Blowfish. So <laughs> yeah, I'll just be sitting there like, oh, just, I'm in a prison of my own thought right yeah. now, you know. But that's awesome to be able to do, uh, obviously, have an interest in comedy and uh, history yes. and music and bring it all to this uh, digital channel, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we have a cult audience uh, people who tune in every single day, and there's a, and I recommend people checking it out. It's adultswim.com, and there's a ch- the. Is it just really on the good. actual website? Is there a yeah, it's Twitch on, or yeah, anything? It's it's a sort of a version of Twitch. I mean, we started out simply doing stuff on Twitch, and then when we had a robust enough um, site on our own yeah. domain, then we just you know we took Twitch away. Cool. And it's uh there's a like there's a chat and people watch the shows together and they sometimes bicker about things but that's actually a very <laughs> shockingly nice community yeah because there certainly are factions of adult swim fans who you know can be a bit com- combative okay not, I, I didn't mention rick and morty i don't know why you <laughs> looked at me that way i didn't say rick and morty but did i think are no thoughts... I mean, is that what you thought i mean, rick and morty fans. i was more thinking like yeah Everything has combative fans. Oh, yeah. Which absolutely. Which is fascinating to me. And I think uh, one of the things we'll, we'll talk about as we dive into your actual obsession. Yes. I already mentioned it. Halloween. Not this season, but the film, the franchise. Is your obsession the original movie or is it the franchise, the whole oeuvre? What is the main thing? It has expanded, but really it is the original movie from 1978. Okay. Uh, I I have a great deal of affection for um, most of the sequels, and I love just sort of the mask of Michael Myers, even though they never get it right for every sequel. Every sequel, (laughs) it looks stupid, but looks like with the new movie coming out in a couple weeks, they finally got it right. Yeah. But it really stems from just loving the original movie. It had such an impact on me as a kid that I've never... I've never shaken. And okay. I never get sick of it. Wow. Which I find so odd because there have certainly been things I've loved throughout my life, like the band Rush or <laughs> REM. Okay. Or things that I, I And you've got dearly. sick of them. You've been like, well, God damn, I, not REM again. Well, not not so much that, but I certainly to where I would take a break for okay. a long time. Like I, I don't put on REM albums much anymore yeah. i still love their music but i have it so internalized that it doesn't offer many surprises yet i could put on the movie halloween once a year and i still love you know joining that world i'd love just entering haddonfield for a couple hours and then leaving okay cool so, yeah. this is fascinating to me because i have never seen halloween until a couple of days ago when i watched it 
for really? this podcast. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was just like the age thing for me. Like um, it was not at the right time. And a lot of the seminal horror movies of the 80s that I now understand to have grown out of mm-hmm. the success of Halloween were these super spooky things that I'd heard about where like, you know, older kids who saw them on VHS at parties would tell me about. And they, like, they lived in my imagination is something other than what they actually are. Right. So it's been this, fa- and and I was a big fan of the Scream franchise, still am, and I knew like conceptually, like yes, a lot of this is paying homage to specifically Halloween or pulling from things. Um, so it was an amazing experience to finally just sit down and watch it, and I was sort of blown away. You by, enjoyed it? Oh my god, yes! Oh, that's yeah, great. Yeah, I was just blown away by like the um, the sense of uh, emotion and compassion and artistry and perspective like it felt i know it was made fast factually but i I, but it felt so thoughtful and cared for and i grew up with that bias of like oh there's michael myers again from one of those cheap sequels where he just slashes people because they like gore you know and that's the baggage i grew up with so it was so wonderful to come back to the original and see it for what it is. It is a. Should we define the movie in case? Yeah. I mean, is, it, is it likely anyone hasn't seen it? Well, uh, you you hadn't seen it. Yeah, I hadn't seen it. I think it lives in people's minds. But why don't you tell me? Uh, why don't we do it this way? Why don't we go back to your first experience seeing sure. it? Because obviously now you're a student of it. You know it. Yes. You've experienced it in lots of different ways. I have. Uh, but going back to that first time for you, how old were you, and what kind of what did you think it was then? Well, Joseph, it was October thirtieth, nineteen eighty one. Wow. You said not to worry about dates, but I do remember this date. Um, I was, ju- I had just turned ten years old. Okay, and I know I don't remember the exact circumstance of me watching it, but I know that I had been hyped for weeks on NBC. It was it was a big deal that I was going to be playing uh, on NBC on a Friday night, and a week before it had aired there was a horror movie that was on cbs it was like the, it was a made for tv movie called night dark night of the scarecrow okay <laughs> and i watched it in my bedroom and i loved it it had uh i think his name's lenny drake but he was on la law and he plays a uh, a mentally slower individual who uh is framed for a murder okay so he is killed by a vigilante mob and he becomes sort of this avenging scarecrow okay and is this, this a made for tv movie it's a made for tv okay. movie it's great it's on screen factory on blu-ray i okay. highly recommend it it's a great <laughs> halloween movie but i think this movie kind of primed the pump for i was spellbound by it so i i must have mentioned something to my my dad maybe but that particular friday night i'll, I'll never forget my dad uh, my, my older sister Linda had come over and she wanted to watch it with my dad and she said you know what's on TV why not let Joey my first name is Joseph by the way oh wow cool yeah I, I don't care for the name <laughs> I, no offense you can just go, you can call me Aaron that's my middle name yeah I, I grew up in New Jersey so it's just like Joey oh hey why don't we go to the Dunkin Donuts <laughs> so I go by Chris but uh I my dad said, all right, do you want to watch this with us? And I was like, yes. And so it, it played, and I think I stood. I remember standing really um, next to the couch the entire film. And everything about it from frame one just had me spellbound. It starts with a shot of just a jack-o'-lantern, uh, a little bit in the middle distance, just flickering, and just a camera slowly going in on it, and you hear the theme music. And whether you've seen Halloween or not, you probably know the theme music, yeah. which is like, 
and thus begun a lifelong uh, love affair of off-kilter music, <laughs> analog synth music. Um, it just, it really just kind of made an impression on me immediately. And I, I just remember uh, just loving everything about it. It starts with Michael Myers, uh, you know, watching his older sister get it on with his, her boyfriend. They make love upstairs for a minute and 42 <laughs> seconds. It's, I was pulled in right away because, like, this is a realistic film. Yes, this is real. <laughs> like, they're they're going to be at this convention I'm going to see in a couple days. And I feel like asking him, like, How, what can I do to help my endurance? <laughs> so he goes in and, uh, spoiler, he he murders his older sister, Judith. And I was shocked by this. And, and the reveal is, is that he's a six-year-old kid. Yeah. That's a powerful thing to see when you're 10 years old. Yeah. You're like, oh my God, he just killed his sister. Because I, I hated my sister at the time. But I would have never thought of killing her. Yeah. Um, so the whole movie, just the way it progresses, it's it's it just flows like a dream, like a bad dream. It's it's There's lots of blue gel lights and, and accent lights everywhere. It has this wonderful synthesizer piano score. And it has these, like, these synthesizer bolts of sound. Yeah. That just jolts you out of, you know. And my dad, on some of them, would come behind me and go, and scare me. Because your dad knew when they were coming? No, but I think he sensed sensed where the drama was. And it's weird. I love being scared. I hate being startled. Yeah. But he did this throughout the movie. But it, it just stayed with me. And I think what's important is that I was 10 years old in 1981 when it aired. I have five older brothers and an older sister. And I was six years old in 1977. Yeah. Uh, and that was the year Star Wars came out, correct? 1977, yeah. Yeah, it was March 4th. Uh, May 4th, right? Uh, May 25th. May 25th. May 4th, the whole pun has warped the uh, popular imagination. Yeah, uh, yes, yes. Oh, God, that's... Wow, God, oh, that, oh, are you telling me this is just a cheap marketing ploy? <laughs> no, the internet made it up. It's e- even worse. E2, Kenner. Um, I... No one took me to see Star Wars. I have zero memory... Of Star Wars as a cultural phenomenon. And you were the prime age. I was the prime age, and I had older brothers and an older sister. It's really like This is a why weird... you hated your older sister. She didn't take you to Star well, Wars. Well, I loved my older sister. I had a younger sister who I okay. hated. Okay. <laughs> so let's, let's be clear about that. Um, it's a... Uh... I, it, it boggles my mind that no one took me to see Star Wars, and my memory of seeing Star Wars the first time was on Cathode Ray TV. I mean... Maybe after I'd seen Halloween. Yeah, because I don't think it was on TV until the mid-80s, because that was a big deal when it was first on television. Yeah, I think I had a couple action figures, and yet I hadn't seen the films they were tied to. Yeah. So I didn't have that. So for me, Halloween was the first, like, a huge cultural thing that it made a super impact on me. Yeah. And I could not get the song out of my head. Like, I would be in elementary school. And I would be like the monitor, like, you know, you know, those bullshit responsible yeah. <laughs> positions they give you as a child. Like, please stand by the door and hold it for people. And so I would just kind of walk and there would be this uh, chain link fence and I would walk. And there's a scene in Halloween where Michael Myers is stalking Tommy. And I would just do the same thing. I would pick out a kid on the playground <laughs> and walk as slow as Michael Myers and just be staring at this kid while this song played in my head. It's the first music I think that ever had an impact on me yeah. in such a way. So it was such a complete thing and it, it just never left. 
Yeah. yeah. Did you have anyone to share it with? I mean, obviously you did share it with kids you were stalking, but they didn't know you were sharing it with them. They did not know. And uh, I, I have, I don't recall that. Not at all. And matter of fact, I kept my love of Halloween fairly quiet most of my life. Yeah. Um, were you afraid that people were going to think it was weird that the way some people dreamed to be cool Han Solo, you were sort of on the playground pretending to be a killer? I suppose there's a little bit of that. I also, I I, I just remember elementary school, just, I mean, everyone was on Luke Skywalker's deck. I mean, it just not, it was no country for Michael Myers fan. Um, I mean, the movies that I remember, the horror movies. It is true that that's not a common thing. Were you you a grown up, were you a Luke Skywalker or Michael Myers fan? Yeah, like, pick one. (laughs) And, and, and of course, like, when I would finally see Star Wars, in particular, Empire Strikes Back, I loved them. I thought they were wonderful. But I could never, I could never, like, count myself as a mega fan as much as I could with this one particular movie. Okay. As I got older, a really peculiar thing happened with my particular, my love of, halloween which was i i loved horror movies but i didn't like movies that came out of the uh the halloween explosion if you will yeah uh when halloween was so successful it was the most profitable independent movie of all time and that was a record held until blair witch wow it it just you know it was made for three hundred thousand dollars i think it grossed like something like 42 million so so in terms of multiples it just was insane and it it really started a cottage industry of the kind of movies that you knew of growing yeah. up. Uh, in particular, Friday the 13th and to a lesser degree of uh, Freddy. But like so many lesser movies like Night School and Final Exam and, and all <laughs> these slash of it like My Bloody Valentine. Like yeah. all of these movies are a direct result of just how huge Halloween was. And I, as a teenager and in my early 20s, I had such a love for the genuine article, particular article of Halloween, yeah. that I was dismissive of all these similar films. Okay. I would not want to see them. I would be like, oh, Friday 13th sucks. It's not as good as Halloween. <laughs> it's It was a very strange um, reaction because you, you'd think that I was now being given the kind of movies that... I, this is what you like, yeah. Young Joey Arison, you know, here's <laughs> shelves upon shelves of VHS copies of these kinds of movies, and I just kind of turn up my nose, yeah. You know, like they're all copying the best movie of all time. I want no part of that. I would be argumentative with friends yeah. of mine. Could be like, well, why don't you want to see Friday the Thirteenth? I'm like, because it's bullshit. It's like it's not as good. Yeah, and it's crazy in retrospect because now. There's nothing I enjoy more than putting on a slasher from the golden era of slashers, you know, from 1978 to 1986. Okay. No matter how good nor how bad, I love it. I love movies that ape the formula. I love picking out the things they stole from Halloween. I I cherish it now. Okay, but it's not because Halloween opened a door to this new genre. You are looking at them as a... Uh... As copycat. A professor of Halloween. Yes, yes, which is a, is a a peculiar is is a peculiar reaction, and I can only psychoanalyze now why that may have been. I think it's when you find something you so identify with, then the idea that it can just be cloned and knocked off, yeah, 
means that maybe you can be cloned and knocked off. Like that that bond you have with that one particular thing. The thought of it the thought of it being duplicated is like, well, how how can that be duplicated? It can't. It's perfect. Like I didn't I wasn't a huge fan of Halloween two. Okay. I saw that did you see it in the theater? No, no, that no. was well, earlier. Humor, yeah. Humorously, um, I saw that much like I, how I initially saw Halloween. I saw that when it premiered on cable on a network television. Okay, and this this is for all the Halloween heads listening. But the TV cut of Halloween two is so bastardized compared to the theatrical cut, and not just in terms of nudity and gore. I mean, it just it's incoherent okay (laughs) so it only bolstered my argument that they should have made one michael myers movie and just been done with it yeah and then gone on to season of the witch like it went on okay so my favorite halloween sequel is halloween (laughs) three season of the witch now because it's not a it's not a carbon copy i have seen a season of the witch multiple times yes yeah so for those of you who don't know what season of the witch halloween three so the the idea after halloween two was well we're just going to make these Halloween movies as sort of an anthology series. We're going to have a new evil that we'll do every time, yeah. a different theme. And Halloween season of The Witch uh, centers on a mask maker, an evil mask maker, who creates these three masks, a witch, skull, and pumpkin. Uh, and he gets all the kids in the world to wear these masks. And the idea is the kids are going to wear the mask and watch this grand giveaway at 9 o'clock on Halloween night. And what the kids don't know is that there's a little piece of Stonehenge <laughs> lodged in their mask. <laughs> and when they watch this commercial, the Stonehenge activates and turns their face to uh, a, a big gob of goo and snakes and cockroaches. The movie is amazing. It's not good. It's bonkers. It's yeah. bonkers. And it's original. And I watch it every year. And I love it dearly. It has an amazing John Carpenter score. It has that weird song about how many days left till Halloween, right? Yes. It ha- that's probably its most lasting legacy. It's just three more days to Halloween, Halloween. Halloween. Yep. I hope everyone and it's listening. like Silver Shamrocks, right? Silver Shamrock. Yeah. I hope everyone sings that in their head <laughs> the rest so of this hour. Okay, cool. So I want to go back to this idea that you, you said about feeling like it, there would be something almost um, a violation of cloning something truly yeah. unique. Uh, I, I can relate to that a little bit because of the reaction I had to X-Files mm. because I so deeply loved Twin Peaks. And I watched the first episode of X-Files, right? which I think in a almost Halloween, Friday the 13th-like, they're, they're different, but clearly, like, the first episode of X-Files makes reference obliquely to Twin Peaks. It happens in the woods. It's everybody involved has always said, like, yeah, X-Files would never happen without Twin Peaks. And it made me mad. I didn't and know I, that. That's interesting. I had yeah. no idea. But I wonder if there is something about, uh, everybody obviously has different opinions, but what artists I consider, like, Twin Peaks and the original Halloween have that sense of humanity that this could not have been made by you know any sort of factory of create creative people with a goal there's something genuinely unique to the humans who made it and you sense that level of humanity and i think that idea then that it could translate to you that like there is something essential about me that is me and the idea that somebody could attempt to copy it and make kind of like a half-assed bizarro version of me is frightening it's it's protective fandom. It's it's a strange sort of gatekeeping. And when I when I'm on the internet and I see somebody write something shitty about something saying it's not as good as this, 
I just kind of shake my head because I so recognize that sort of thought, that yeah. thought process. I think that is how I used to be with so many things, and in particular, Halloween. And it kept me from enjoying the many flawed sequels that came afterwards. Okay. It kept me from enjoying the Friday 13th series, which now I love dearly, warts and all. I, I love the Friday 13th. I don't care that it was, it was, especially the first one was absolutely done to capitalize on uh, slasher fever. Yeah. It doesn't matter to me. It, I, I enjoy watching masked seasonal killers do their bidding <laughs> on dumb teenagers. It's enjoyable to me. It's lark. Yeah. So, uh, and, but you know, it's, but it, it's also, but that's, that's also a very unformed, immature opinion for this reason. Halloween was created as an exploitation film. It was, it was uh, suggested by a producer named Irwin Yablans, who simply, he pitched the movie as the babysitter murders yeah. to John Carpenter. And then he had the idea of like, well, why don't we put it on Halloween? The spookiest night of the year, like... The one word is so evocative, and yeah. John Carpenter said, absolutely, I get it. And he wrote the script in no time with his girlfriend at the time, Deborah Hill, who wound up producing the movie. And it was made—the humanity in it is the fact that it, though it, it is an exploitation movie, it's fairly bloodless. Yeah. It moves elegantly in part because there's a—the uh, the camera just glides— uh, the music is a step up from what you'd normally hear, like would be shrieking violins. Yeah, it's done with care and style, and it uh, has a classical form to it. Yeah, and I, I relate to that. And the copycats that came after it largely just went with more and more gore, which I do enjoy. Okay. I enjoy a gory movie. <laughs> like I enjoy when Jason hacks up somebody, but Michael Myers didn't really have to do that. It's a great irony that the sequels to Halloween, uh, especially 2 and Onward, they basically are more copycats of Friday the 13th than they are of the first Halloween. Yeah, so it's like kind of the, the copies after copies kind of yeah. changing. or More like a telephone game where it, it warps over time. Yeah, like yeah. Halloween 2, initially when it was directed by Rick Rosenthal, he made the movie and he really wanted to cop, uh, like he wanted to recreate the classiness of the original and then John Carpenter saw it and said, well, this isn't going to work in today's marketplace. Like, we have Jason now. And John Carpenter went and directed scenes that were very violent and gory. Like, okay. everyone thinks, like, he didn't do that. Now, he actually shot the thing of, like, a needle going into an eyeball. Yeah. And, of course, now I love those scenes. Yeah. They're great. <laughs> cool. This, this is a very interesting journey and an interesting conversation that we could have even longer. I mean, I have, I have no uh, love of any sort of gatekeeping of saying... You know, other people shouldn't enjoy this. I, but I do think there is something fascinating, which I'm hearing you say, which is a little different to me of gatekeeping, about why we respond to specific yeah. films. Because even though you're saying, like, oh, you kind of were gatekeeping yourself from enjoying yes. Friday the 13th, that doesn't change the fact that you still love Halloween the most, that you still connect with it the most, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it's been a refreshing change in my own personality over the years. To the, I've allowed myself to just sort of let more things in. Yeah, cool. Um, Cool. So let's talk a little bit about what it is now to be a Halloween super fan. Um, we're releasing this episode a little while after we record it, but but as we're talking now, you're about to go to a Halloween convention, right? Yes. Yes. What is that fan community like? What is that experience like? I honestly don't know okay. because you know my Halloween super fandom 
until say the last decade consisted mostly in my mind okay i kept it mostly <laughs> private i've never um dated anybody nor uh, i've been married for 10 years now and watching horror movies with whomever i'm with has never been something i've shared too much okay and when i do it's it's it's, it's i have to make sure it's like okay it's something they might like too yeah and I, i've never been with a super hardcore horror fan i have friends who love horror movies uh more so now but right now i am augustus gloop <laughs> it is bizarre and until recently when you to be a halloween fan there weren't that many objects you could own right there were soundtracks that were released in the 80s but you, those aren't around anymore and those weren't around anymore until recently now you have these record labels like Waxwork and Mondo are putting out these beautiful deluxe edition yeah. on vinyl of these scores that I love so much. Uh, there were no T-shirts. You had like bootleg T-shirts. Now you have gutter garb and fright rags and they're putting out these beautiful shirts and like collections of the most obscure 80s movies. Yeah. You can just, if you want a Night of the Demons t-shirt, I don't know who, (laughs) but there's six different designs they just released. Uh, At least six people want a different design each. Yeah. There are people my age who are now leading these uh, niche companies who are, who love uh, scary movies as much as I do. And so now it's like, oh my God, like, especially over the last three years like there's just a glut of halloween product yeah like mondo uh which releases these beautiful uh posters right uh, for various movies like i've i've collected like seven of them and they're all highly coveted and they're beautiful but even i am starting to look at my walls going (laughs) where do i put these it's ridiculous so So you can express yourself now through, I can express through capitalism my, in a way you couldn't before. Exactly. See, now I know what you Star Wars kids <laughs> have been going through for so long. Yeah. Like, I look around here, like, and it, for dear listener, I walked in, <laughs> and there is a table, and it is just strewn with the Star Wars action figures. of the figures. podcast now, that table of action figures. Yeah. yeah. Have, have other people commented on Oh, that? yeah. It's getting mentioned every episode. It's great. I'm going to leave great. it there forever. It, yeah, please do, because it, it is a conversation piece. <laughs> it really is. But, but yeah. I see that, and I feel like, oh, you've given me cover for the lifestyle <laughs> I've led over the last couple of years. You're fine with seven posters. I have, like, 87 action figures over there. Right, uh, but, but I, I'm starting to amass, like, action figures. Like, I've been collecting bootleg action figures. Okay. Uh, people will do these super limited runs of, like, this one guy named Retroband. He did a Season of the Witch action figures <laughs> and they go for like a lot of money yeah but i happen to get all of them and i love them dearly and i don't want to sell them yeah and i i i still i'm not an entire piece of what it means to collect a bunch of something i love and what to do with it but i i do like it like okay. my little my office space at a adult swim it's like a 14 year old with money because there are just action figures everywhere. That's who I want to be when I grow up. Yeah, a fourteen year old with money. Yeah, and every time I th- I think like elevate, I'll think like I should take this down. I'm never gonna. This doesn't look good. But then you go to like the vice president of Adult Swim, Jason DeMarco, <laughs> and you look in his office, and it's just times times ten. Yeah, there. and it's like yeah. I'm fine. I'm okay, fine. so you get into experience what it was to be a Star Wars kid. But has there been any time in the era of the internet where you have been on? forums like are you well versed in like this is how most fans interpret halloween or these themes or like 
Have you had that sort of fan Not, interaction and that deconstruction of the movie? That's the thing. I have always always been a uh, a lonely pursuit. It's always been one that I've not shared, and I was determined to turn that around uh, over the last year when I heard there was going to be a convention, a Halloween 40th anniversary convention here in Pas- or nearby in Pasadena. Yeah, and that's why I'm here. I'm going to go to this thing, and I, I should explain one of the reasons I've had this sort of this change of heart and this want to to be amongst my my tribe, so yeah. to speak is that I sing in a cover band in Atlanta. I sing in a band called Saved by the Band. (laughs) Get it? I do. And we do a variety of covers from 90s to 80s. I mean, and it's very high energy. It's a little less cheesy. It's not like, like, didn't the 90s do the best music? It's a little more like, I'm a little more sardonic on stage, and I sing with a high voice, etc. So anyway, we got this crazy gig uh, three years ago, in which we were asked to perform on the Walker Stalker cruise. The Walker Stalker cruise leaves Nassau and it goes to the Bahamas, and it's with the cast of The Walking Dead nice. and 2,000 of their biggest fans. We were asked to perform on it. And I initially was like, I wonder how this is going to go. Yeah. You know, and, what's... and it was such a surprising, life affirming experience. Because though I don't have, I, I, and I am a fan of The Walking Dead, I've watched every episode. I like the show, whatever its problems. I know a lot of people have problems with it. I, I really, I'm in the same boat. Yeah, yeah I really wa- I watched every episode. And uh, to be around 2,000 people who so intensely love a thing and to see how excited they were and how nice they were and how they were always in conversation about this one thing, I found myself very envious yeah very uh it, it kind of opened my grinchy heart a bit <laughs> and and performing for them was amazing and and then like we had shows where members of the cast of the walking dead came on stage with us and jammed with us and it, it's carried over that we came the second year and more everyone remembered us and oh, treated nice. us like gold yeah and we didn't do it last year and so many people Got on the case of like who books the cruise that now we're doing it next year. Oh, nice! And that that's the final voyage. And so I, I really want to credit uh, the Walker Stalker community because I'm going to let them know that I'm doing this. But <laughs> I really, I, honestly, like they had a lot to do with me wanting to indulge and just wallow in all things Halloween for this weekend here. Yeah, because I think about it all the time, all year long, anyway. And so why not just be around a bunch of other people who do so? Yeah, that's awesome. Let me ask you about some of the thoughts because I'm, I'm curious about having just watched Halloween myself mm-hmm. and I get very obsessive about thinking about what like the ideas and the themes are mm-hmm. of the movies and why they grab people. Do you have a take that you've developed over the years about who or what Michael is? Obviously, he seems like uh, he can't be killed. Yes. Uh, even if you're just going with the first movie. Mm-hmm. Do you have an idea for yourself of like, what he is or what he represents? But not not too deep, which I think is the intention of John Carpenter. He wants you to just believe he's 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 both man and something quasi-mystical. Yeah. The way he just kind of materializes in the closet behind uh, Laurie Strode at one point, like his face just kind of appears. I love touches like that, which implies that he just kind of materializes. Yeah. Uh, I love 
the very last, one of my favorite moments of Halloween is the very, very last thing you see is just that Michael Myers has disappeared after being shot six times and falling onto the floor, uh, falling stabbed to the multiple ground. Times, yeah. And he's been stabbed in the eye, he's been stabbed in the chest, and he disappears, and the music cranks back up, and then you see just these beautiful static shots of everywhere you've been during the movie, and, and you just hear his breathing. I love the idea of Michael Myers just being everywhere at all times. That yeah. really stuck with me as a kid. And I, I, I kind of resented that there were sequels that implied like, oh, well, he wasn't everywhere. He was just like down the street. <laughs> like he's, and you know, we have a new movie coming out where I was like, well, no, he was caught a little bit after, you know. Okay. Yeah. But who knows where it's going to go from there, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the like Michael's impetus for doing anything is, is a mystery to me. And it's one that I prefer being open ended and not definitively answered. There's a, there's a couple podcasts right now specifically about Halloween. And if anyone, remotely likes halloween please check them out one's called halloweenies okay <laughs> which is four writers from consequence of sound uh who go into deep dives on every movie in the series okay so and and, and when i see deep dives we're talking three hour talks yeah and i devoured the second i learned about this i it was four episodes and i don't know how I don't know how I didn't know. And I just spent a day listening to nothing but like, a <laughs> sick person. So so you are happy to hear like theories and conjecture. It's not that you don't yeah. want the movies to just uh, be by themselves. It's just for yeah. yourself, you like the idea that there isn't a final answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's another podcast called um, Halloween Unmasked done by Amy, Amy Nicholson, who's a great film critic. Yeah, that's super popular right now. Yeah, it's fantastic. And she talks to um, psychologists about... You know, Michael Myers, maybe he was sexually abused by Judith, his older sister, or by his mom. And these are things I'd never thought about. But I'm not dismissive. I enjoy listening to these theories. Do Do you know, like, all the theories with The Shining? Yeah. Did you know that documentary came out? Room 237. I haven't watched it. There's, It's a great documentary, and it's just fun to watch all these theories of what people think The Shining means. But invariably, whenever I go online and I read about this documentary, it's just people going, this is bullshit. These people don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> it's like, they're just theories. It's fun. It's, what's the big deal? Like, yeah. it doesn't have to be true. Yeah, you get to pick. Yeah. I mean, we talk about that constantly on the Star Wars podcast yeah. that I do of like, you can make up your own headcanon and tell you know, somebody comes along and tells you what it is, and even then you can go, ah, I reject that. Yeah, it's, absolutely. Yeah. Like it's Just I, like people are doing with the sequels of Halloween. Like, the creators are doing with the sequels of Halloween. We yeah, that. I mean, like, I mean, the new Halloween that's coming out just gets rid of every sequel, including yeah. Halloween 2 from 1981. Like, those are no longer canon. Yeah, it's great. And uh, there's a lot of fans are like, this is bullshit. Like, no, those films still exist. Yeah. It's fine. You get more canon to choose from. Yeah, I think one of the things that made me so excited about the movie is exactly what you were saying about it. I feel like that opening shot that of the camera tracking and the reveal that it is the kid and that it ends with him not only standing there, but that his parents coming up and seeing him in that mm-hmm. long lingering shot where his parents are looking at him. It seems to me so much to frame the question as the parents are saying... Why would you do this? And to me, that then becomes very successfully the question of the movie of why do horrible, unspeakable things happen? Yes. And then I feel like it throws, whether how much Carpenter intended or not, it throws these um, options out there. Like, I feel like the all the shots of the different places, not only like Michael Myers could be everywhere, but I, I always also felt it as a very like, um, how much is evil 
a communal responsibility. So of course, yeah. there's the shot where Laurie, the scene where Laurie goes banging for help and somebody turns the, the lights off. So it's got this very... This is great. Of that in, the, threads of that in Twin Peaks where it's like, how much is the fact that Laura died our, our fault because we could see that there's a problem and we didn't help her, you know? Did you, did you, because that, what you just mentioned, which is Lori seeking help next door and the light comes on, she's, the neighbor sees she's in trouble and then turns the light off. Yeah. That is a major, uh, like people read into that scene all the time. It's hard to ignore. You know, it's just significant. sort of, just like the, the anonymity of the suburbs of not being invested in your community yeah. and neighborhood. You know, the movie changes if that person comes out and helps, but because they don't, it, it has deeper significance. Yeah. And I like it to me, it connected to um, the comment from uh, the person who uh, is guiding Loomis through the graveyard, who is kind of defensive about the murder saying like, yeah, yeah, every town has one of these. Yeah, and I remember this... when Charlie Bowes, now he went upstairs and he, he grabbed a hacksaw. Yeah. It's it's darkly funny, and it also has that sort of like, that almost whataboutism of like, well, why would anybody care that Michael Myers killed his sister? Because at least one of those in every town. Yeah, it's dismissive. It's very dismissive and defensive, and like that contributed to me to this whole like, no, nobody's looking or caring at, about this problem, and it's clearly a problem. Yes. It's like li- literally, obviously, a violent problem right now. Um, what do you think, I- as a fan, the impact is uh, on Halloween that it was co-written and produced by a woman? Like, that was also significant to me that with the stereotype of slasher films being um, just sort of objectifying and, you know, uh, combining sex with death. That this this film felt much more um, intelligent about yeah. The there's women. there's a lot to be said about that. The the, the three um, main girls from the movie: Laurie Strode, uh, Linda Vanderklok, <laughs> and Annie Brackett. They're they're written like actual teenagers. Uh, you can quibble a little bit about the performances or, or some of their lines, but if they feel like three friends. And that is all Deborah. Deborah wrote all that stuff. Uh, John fought for her to be the producer of the film. You know, there was a lot of sexism that she went up against at the time. She obviously prevailed to become yeah. a very successful producer. Uh, a lot of people took the wrong lesson from Laurie being the one who prevails at the end. Okay. They, you know, that lesson being the virginal one will be the one spared. Yeah. And... You saw that a lot in 80s slashers movie, in which a lot of people also read as like a rebuke to, or, or as an endorsement of the conservatism of the 80s. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, during the Reagan era, like, you know, just don't fuck and don't do drugs and you might survive yeah. Jason who's coming after you. And John Carpenter always said it's it's not so much that Lori was a virgin, it's just that the other girls were distracted like yeah. it, it, it had less to do with somebody being pure as much as like Lori just had her wits about her. Whereas Annie was distracted with doing her laundry because she spills something on herself, which is a weird scene. And like every every time when I watch Halloween and she seemingly invisibly spills butter on herself, but you don't see it happen at all. It makes no sense. And, then, nobody, she, and yeah. then she takes her clothes off and just starts doing her wash while babysitting. All of her clothes because she spilled all a little of bit cl- of butter. Yes. I mean, like how much just... butter do you spill 
What's just admit you're a nudist? It's okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. I I don't know what the benchmark of spilling butter is to where you have to wash your clothes at a stranger's house. It's a Thanksgiving challenge. Is your cooking? See if you can spill enough butter on yourself to say I must take all of my clothes off right I'm now. I'm going to do that. <laughs> uh, and Linda has sex and she's distracted with that. Yeah. So and a lot of people just took that like, oh, you know, if you're pure, and I I don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, a lot of, you know it, and there is some nudity in the movie and you know what can you do it, it's an exploitation movie while it it's classy it's still it still had an agenda that yeah. agenda was to make money and to scare people and to scare people i think it's very effective in that way i mean uh nudity in a movie is not quite as scintillating as it used to be because i kind of view it differently now yeah um i prefer if it is more of a functional plot than say something that's just thrown in there titillate yeah but when you watch something from the 70s and 80s i also have a sort of critical distance to go okay well that's just what it was like at the time and yeah it's i'm not going to be too judgmental on it yeah but deborah hill i like her fingerprints are all over that script and that finesse and touch is lacking with so many of the copycat slashers that came afterward. Yeah. Much as I love many of them. Yeah. In terms of the kind of accidental mapping of being a virgin is good, and mm-hmm. therefore, like, that, obviously that has spiraled out into parody and just general cultural knowledge that there are plenty of people who I think would walk around thinking like, yeah, that's what all those slasher films did and have no idea it even started with Halloween. Yeah. But for me... And that was one of these pieces of baggage I went in watching it. And then I was really struck by Michael just, and correct me if I'm wrong, Michael happens to see her right at at his house. Yes. Because she's returning the key or whatever that her, her father, the real estate guy, wanted her to do. And then, like, one of the next scenes we see with Laurie is that classroom lecture about fate. And yeah. about how, and to me, that it seemed like a an obvious reading of the film of, like, Michael needed to do this for some reason. He needed to revisit the scene of this crime and he needed to somehow reenact it. And it's just, it's fate that he mapped himself onto Laurie. That's that's a very interesting read. One I have never heard before, which is, it's Michael's fate, not so much Laurie's fate. Like, that's I've never heard that posited before, my man. Oh, and cool. you just watched the movie for the first time. <laughs> well, uh, that that scene in the classroom, like, just as a writer, like, it's a classroom scene where, uh, you know, Lori is seeing some things out the window and getting mildly disturbed by something she sees. Anything could be there. It could be the uh, the stereotypical droning of your math test system. Why put yeah, this there's... lecture on fate that Lori... And you have that, that, that uh, a subversion of the normal scene where the teacher calls on her when she's distracted. And instead of going... Uh, I don't know. I was scared, but what was outside? She's like, oh, yeah, here, bleh, here's a very intelligent thing. And she thing. crushes the answer, yeah. She crushes the answer, and, and it's them- about fate and destiny. And what a thematically smart and uh, enriching thing to do to have that scene about fate because they have gone back to that well over and over again <laughs> really? over the last four years. <laughs> what's what's amazing or amusing as a Halloween fan is the fact that, like, you know, a showdown 40 years in the making. Well, 20 years ago, Jamie Lee Curtis fought Michael Myers. Hey, never mind, that's not canon now. <laughs> but the fate stuff was in that movie, okay. too. Yeah. And you bet your ass it'll be in this one. As a matter of fact, I think one of the the taglines is face your fate. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's there's going to be a lot of that in yeah. the movie. Yeah, but I like the idea of that idea 
sometimes horrible things find you. There's no rhyme or reason. Yeah. And even though it's not just, you still have to deal with it. That's the best thing about the movie, and that is what was corrupted with the sequels. The fact that Michael Myers... Oh, and I, I'm going to circle back to my first viewing of the movie. Michael Myers chose these girls at random. There was no rhyme or reason to it. But, and that's... If you watch the movie in the theater in 1978... That's what made it so palpable and scary. The fact that this guy just chose these three girls just because. No yeah. reason. They didn't have an explanation for the monster. Uh, that's one of the, the that's one of the things that hamstrungs, uh, that ruins the end of Psycho a little bit. Psycho is amazing. And at the end, a psychologist shows up and kind of gives a five-minute lecture. <laughs> as like, it's pretty shocking. Bates is a transvestite. And, and all this stuff where it's like, we don't need that. And that's what makes Halloween so powerful. There's There's... He's just evil. We don't know why he does what he does. Yeah. But when I watched the movie in 1981 on NBC, I and this not to dive into a bit, like the sequel, it, the reason it was on NBC is Halloween 2 was about to come out. Okay. Or was out at the time. And John Carpenter, when they trimmed the movie uh, to be on NBC, they had to cut some scenes out, which made the movie too short. So John Carpenter shot some extra scenes to tie the movie better to the sequel. Ooh. Right? So there were scenes shot in 1981 that he put into special edition style, Joseph. <laughs> he special edition mm-hmm. Lucas. And in, in Halloween 2, it's revealed that Michael Myers is, in fact, uh, the brother of Laurie Strode. That was not the intention in 1978. Yeah. He added that mythology for two because he didn't really want to write Halloween 2. Okay. He thought, we, no, we have the movie. Why do another one? But he put that in there and he shot scenes to the, into that he shoved into. When I saw Halloween for the first time, I thought they were always brother and sister. Okay. It still made it terrifying to me. Um, but uh, I can see how somebody seeing it just like they were just picked at random is just way more powerful. Yeah. So uh, uh, I don't know why, why I, that was a that was a divergent. No, thing, it's great. It's yeah. a, it is fascinating because it is such a weird and complex uh, franchise. Because yeah, you know, yeah, you, and, there's and, all and, sorts of canon paths you can follow if you oh, want. And now gets, another one. It gets so batty too because by the time you get into four, five, and six, like it's the curse of Thorn, which is a ancient druid th- curse <laughs> of the family bloodline, and and and, and quick story like I. I've met Paul Rudd a couple times. Okay. Um, I met Paul Rudd at a wedding at a mutual friends in 2004. And there's a wacky story I can't tell now. But many years later, there was another wedding in Athens that I was performing at. So I went up to Paul and I was like, oh, remember me from the wedding years ago? Oh, great. And then we went and sang karaoke and he was super cool. And John Hamm was there. And it was just a crazy wedding. Yeah. And he wound up singing on stage with me a song. And later that night, we're playing cards. And by this point... And the thing is, whenever you're around a celebrity, you you just try to keep your shit together. Yeah, just treat him like a normal human being, yeah. So finally, I just kind of turned to him because Paul Rudd is the star. His first movie was Halloween 6. Oh, wow. So I just turned to him. I'm like, just so you know, now that we've spent all this time together, my favorite thing in the universe is Halloween. He's like is it now (laughs) and you beat the ever-living shit out of michael myers he's like i sure did i sure fucking did (laughs) so uh yeah i yeah in that movie it's 
like by that point the movie had just gone so off the rails yeah and, and now i have i totally appreciate and think they're fun but yeah because you can pick and choose i wanted to ask you Lori in that first one she stabs michael with lots of different things yes. knitting needle clothes hanger knife if you could stab michael myers with anything what would you want to stab him with Ooh, I mean, nothing would work. Um, <laughs> Does that futility make it even more fun? I'm like, well, I know this isn't going to matter, so. Yeah, like a katana? Oh, yeah. Something like that? Like something yeah. where if you had a bit of a, like a like a running start. Oh, yeah. You could just kind of, just get him. Just like want to get him with a katana. Like, nice. like Kill Bill style. Okay, yeah. Like, like the 88, uh, 88 Keys crew or whatever yeah. that she mows down. If yeah. you could just do that, that would be cool. <laughs> um, as long as he still has that moment where I, and this, I think the scariest moment in the movie when I was a kid, like, uh, Lori has stabbed him in the chest. She gets out of the closet. She drops the knife again. Yeah. And then she's just sitting there and then just in the back, he just gets up. And what's crucial about him just getting up slowly, he does it like a robot. He turns his head like a robot, and there's no music. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd stab him with a katana. Okay, I think that's a good choice. Yeah. Uh, if you yourself could appear in a Halloween movie, what kind of character would you want to play? Would you want to be someone hunting Michael? Uh, would you want a chance oh, to a play victim, Michael? a victim. <laughs> Easily. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I... I, I you know, I'm a frail gent. I'm a brittle boy. I am slasher fodder. I would not last very long. I think the character of Randy from Scream, uh, okay. which is the one who knows all the horror tropes, yes. I, I fear that would be me. Would you want to play a character who sees Michael advancing on you with a knife and just has a heart attack and dies without Michael doing anything? No, I would like to run a bit. Okay. Like get some cardio <laughs> in, <laughs> so when the blood spurts out, it's more glorious that way. That's where uh, that's where brittle boys shine because we can run, right? Right? We can't take a stabbing or a punching, but I, we can run. I'm pitching brittle boy to Bloomhouse <laughs> this weekend. I have a whole treatment. <laughs> it's just about physically not very strong. Yeah, just fellows this, running. This, this dainty guy just like putting up his little arms and just getting. S- murdered nice uh this is my last question for uh, the main section of the podcast if halloween was rebooted again and the killer was going to wear a mask of a famous person the way the original is william shatner what celebrity mask should the new killer wear chris pine chris pine for the perfect symmetry yes right? from kirk chris to pine, kirk kirk to kirk <laughs> yeah it, that's the, the mask is so crucial it's it's insane. This is, and I just heard a story about this. But Tommy Lee Wallace uh, is the one who came up with the mask, and he just went to a store in Hollywood that was selling these cheap-looking Captain Kirk masks. Yeah, uh, and the and the masks were uh, like William Shatner had made a death mask for a movie he had made. And he was bloated at the time, so it doesn't really conform to his face. And the yeah. fact is, just spray paint it white, put some, take the sideburns off, and it makes the most iconic mask ever. <laughs> and they were they were a dollar ninety five each. Yeah, like insane to me. And every sequel, the mask is wrong. 
They used the same mask for Halloween 2, but it was three years later and had been in a shoebox. Oh, wow. Under Deborah Hill's bed. <laughs> and she was a chronic smoker, so it had yellowed a bit, got dirty. <laughs> and it was put on a different actor who had a like a, like a less of an oval face, but a circular face. Okay. So it just looks... Is it jowly? He, it just looks different like he like 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 Paul Sorvino was wearing the mask for some reason. <laughs> and it, I still love Halloween too and I think he's a good Michael Myers, but he definitely looks like he had eaten a hoagie between films <laughs> even though they happen right back to back. Uh, hoagie Michael is still scary, yes. though, right? Oh, without question. <laughs> We're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. So these are questions or variations of them. I ask across all the episodes. Oh, boy. And you kind of already alluded to a couple of these. Oh, so this I, will be fun. Great. Do you think about Halloween every day? Yes. Even yes. You said you watch it once a year. I watch it once a year. I, I there's, uh, Few are the days where it doesn't cross my mind in some way. And it kind of... It's one of those things that I, I feel... I have really mixed feelings about because I feel like to be a super fan during this time, it feels both selfish a little bit and and a major avoidance. Like you look at what's happening politically. I don't want to go on a, I don't want to go on a rant. Uh, This is a safe space to say uh, not happy with the politics. Yeah. Yeah. it, It feels like to, to dig your head deeper into a movie that's 40 years old and into all the, all the plastic and vinyl that surrounds it yeah. at a time where, you know, civil liberties are taking a nosedive and the climate, you know, we have 22 years to figure out how to keep from extinction. <laughs> We're being stopped <laughs> here, a little, yeah, by, yeah, yeah, by and, our own folly. And here I am just like, oh, I just got the new mono mix of the Halloween soundtrack. It's coming to my house. Yay. But how do you feel about the idea of self-care? That it is absolutely necessary Uh, to find those moments of joy somewhere, somehow. Where does self-care turn into avoidance? That's the line I I think of. It's absolutely self-care. It's, it's so necessary. And I do, you know, I call my senators and I vote and I donate to causes. I feel like that's, those are the things I can do. Right. Um, You're fighting the monster. You're not turning the lights off when Laurie Strode is knocking on your house. Exactly. I'm. Yeah. I mean, I. I, In terms of the climate, like I got a vasectomy. Not only that, but we made a video of it happening, and it actually aired on Adult Swim on national television at 4 a.m. Not many people can say that, but that is my little thing for the Earth that I did. Uh, So I, I do sometimes worry about that, and I also worry about just. Uh, let's get into this. Let's let's take this turn. <laughs> All right. Uh, I am I'm going to I'm I'm going to be divorced soon. Okay. Were you aware of this? I I saw the uh the announcement on Facebook. Yes. As is the way of our times. Yes. So yes. So my wife and I, uh, Dana, uh, we are we have decided to split. And it's completely mutual, and she would not mind me saying anything at cool. all during this because I did I think it's interesting to talk about how obsession ties into this. And it's a it's an interesting thing of like I'm here during one of the more tumultuous times of my life, even though it's all good and yeah. we've agreed on everything and we're being very kind and, and loving toward each other, I still am selling a place. I'm moving into a new place. Uh there's just tremendous life changes. Yeah. And here I am just in this world of Halloween for the weekend as as an escape. 
I and I'm thrilled about it, but it is it is odd to have yeah. this you know this life preserver away you know this oasis away from my life, and I do think about Halloween every day. I think about I'm now more uh, open and proclaiming about my love of horror movies than I used to yeah. be. I think about what would it be like to meet people in the future, and I think I always kept this kind of hidden. Uh, I don't think Dana had any idea how into this kind of stuff I was. So much so that she did a piece on stage where people were just doing one woman and one person speeches about things. And she did a speech about how she had always dated nerds. And then she met me. And then she realized after a while that I was a complete nerd, but for John (laughs) Carpenter movies and Halloween. So it's it's interesting to just think about how, how, like, just... Over the last year of just being so excited about this weekend coming up. Yeah. And how now it's like, I have this, but I have all this, like, all this major life change I'm dealing with. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for having this to look forward to. Good. Yeah. I think you, I think you should be. I mean, I think for my own sort of life philosophy, the good and the bad, or even not bad, challenging, you know. Yeah, challenging, the, for the sure. The things that, that challenge you and the things that reward you happen sometimes at the same time yeah you know and that's i think uh, a bad part of our obsession our cultural obsession with narrative i think it's changing but our obsession with narrative that has there's a beginning where you learn everything then a middle where you're challenged and then you win in the end and that's the way everything in life should be and like we're experiencing all all three acts of storytelling at all times, you know. Yeah, right now I'm I'm Laurie Strode being chased. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm, I'm running up the stairs and I'm I'm darting into the bedroom. But I know at some point I will be her at the end. Well, at the end of the movie, she's crying and upset. I that's a let's strike that analogy. Strike <laughs> strike that analogy. Yeah. The other things I would I hear you saying, and then we'll go on to the rest of our how obsessed are you questions. Is there are so many positives you're getting from immersing yourself in this is that yeah the thing you're most excited about is you're comparing it to that cruise of like i get to meet a lot of other people yeah which is way different than what i do on halloween is i shut off all the lights i turn off my phone and i watch halloween alone but that has been me so many times right but not right now what you're gonna do right right now now is and then you're gonna go to a huge movie theater right and see this new movie with well not only that fan community they announced well yeah they announced it to where uh, we're getting a special VIP screening midnight on Friday, a week oh, before awesome. it comes out. And I think there's a chance maybe Jamie Lee Curtis will appear and wave to us. Yeah. Um, and I have to get over my inclination, despite how I sound here, my inclination in a crowd is to put on headphones and to just listen to, to music okay. podcasts. So I I want to not do that and okay. just reach out to people. Like I've gone to Fantastic Fest, which is in Austin, Texas. Yeah. And they make a point of saying, talk to other movie fans because it's all genre movies for a week and they're the best movies. And I would go and I would just be so shy. I would be just, oh, just, you know, I love performing on stage. I love singing in front of strangers. It's yeah. the most easiest thing ever. But to talk about things I love <laughs> with other people who love those same things, oh, just, I can't do it. Yeah. And I hope to... Uh, get over that hurdle. That's it's part of me being here right now. Like I want to talk about these things with somebody. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Let's uh, let's talk some more. Yeah. Uh, do you? You've answered this a little bit. Do you have a lot of Halloween merchandise? And is there anything you wouldn't buy, like a toothbrush or bed sheets with Michael Myers? Oh, on? I have a I have a perfect answer for that. <laughs> I do not like Funko. Ooh. Now I know you've had somebody on your podcast who is a huge fan of Funko. Yeah. 
and I do not, I just can't get down with it. It's too cutesy. Yeah. It's just. I assume there is a Michael Myers Funko. Oh, I'm yeah, sure oh yeah. And I, was, and I was given one and, 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 you know, it was given to me as a gift and, and it was like the thought behind it is, is wonderful yeah. and it's pure. But to me, I'm looking at a Funko item. I'm not looking at a Halloween item. I like okay. things that are a bit more like it looks like the figure. I do have action figures. I enjoy the fact that there are these little miniature statues that yeah. represent a moment of time from a movie I love. So I, I like any of that stuff. But the, I Funko products, I can't, I okay. can't get down with. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. I kind of I, I have a few Star Wars ones. I mostly like them if they're of a... Uh, more monstrous character because I feel like if that character saw them in real life, they'd be like, "Come on!" Right? Like, I okay. have a Cthulhu, I have a Palpatine, I have a Snoke. <laughs> There's I, a Cthulhu. Oh, it's it's uh, yeah, it's a New York exclusive, but it's actually the uh, bronze statue of him oh. that's described in the original Call of Cthulhu. But I like the ones where it feels like if the horrible, awful creature saw the Funko, they'd be like, "Come on, why do you got to make me cute? Well, I'm how, supposed to be scary." Well, how how do you make a Lovecraft figure? Isn't it like it's more the description, like, yeah. "Oh, it's the most wretchingly foul thing your eyes never did see." And and it's, it's like head it, wobbles. It's, yeah. yeah. Ooh, unspeakable. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of that. Uh, but you are down with the merchandise for the most part, obviously. For the most part. Do you have or would you get a Halloween tattoo? Yeah. I've thought about it many, 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 many times. Okay. What um, would it be? I, there was a showing here in LA just last week, and it was just a simple, like, hand holding a knife. Like, something very simple like okay. that. Okay. I would not hesitate to do it. I mean, like, right now, I have a couple small tattoos. One is. From a King Crimson album cover. Okay, cool. Hello, ladies. <laughs> Another one is a word. It's the word feet. <laughs> a writer in the mid-aughts asked for volunteers to have a word tattooed to their bodies. Oh, really? As part of a story. There was a 2,000-word story. It's a uh, writer named Shelley Jackson. And I read this story in Newsweek or whatever, back when people read Newsweek. And I wrote to her. I was like, just send me a word and I'll do it. And she did. And I have the word feet. So is the me. idea that there's a whole story yeah, I am spread part... across all these human beings? Exactly, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I don't get to explain it often, but it's I'm fine with it. I, but I have thought about doing that. But I, I think another reason I haven't, though, is that I've seen so many people who have those tattoos. And I always feel like, oh, man, I just... When they have like the giant sleeves of the tattoos, yeah. like I don't know if I could do that. I'd probably get some very modest thing, just a little tasteful thing instead of a whole like scene. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, would you want specific theme music to play every time you walked somewhere, the way Michael has in that original movie? Who wouldn't? Yeah. Like he has the most distinctive theme since Shaft. <laughs> and I would, I would love walking around music like i have i okay this we have i mean i haven't said anything nerdier than this but when i've i used to really love baseball okay uh i'm more of a football guy now sorry everybody but i when you see relievers come in uh from the bullpen they usually have theme music and they run but i always thought like oh i'd love to be a reliever and they just played the halloween theme (laughs) and i walked because that's really slowly and methodically that's what i love about michael myers is that his his uh his walking is so graceful in the first movie he's not running he's moving at a deliberate pace yeah Uh, nick castle who plays him uh he was just told just walk 
and he's he's very thin like i am and he just has this particular way of moving like jason will jog jason will run (laughs) he does a lot of that but michael myers is like no i'm I'm doing this at my pace yeah 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 like it's and i i love that best about him so i would just walk in from the bullpen while the halloween theme played (laughs) and then i would get shelled that is a great answer uh, would you see any Halloween movie, regardless of who the director is, even if it was someone you despised? Well, I should explain that, by way of answering that. Someone whose work you despise, I should say. Probably not. If it was someone I really, really hated, who do I really, really hate? Um, this is weird, because if you ask my friends, could Chris name things he hated? <laughs> they say, yeah, instantly. Yeah. Like, and without provocation. Well, but yeah, I, I mean, like, there are Halloween movies that I did not see until many years later. Okay. Like, I trailed off. I saw Halloween 4 in the theater. And uh, even though at the time I was like, it's not as good, I still enjoyed it enough to where I saw it the next night and I brought a date. Oh, okay. And that was our last date. <laughs> okay. As a matter so of fact, you have some trauma. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, there, there are numerous occasions where I made someone watch a Halloween movie with me, and that was the last time, including the original. There was a girl I was dating, beautiful, wonderful, came over, watched Halloween with me. That was it. Wow. And I, I didn't sit there miming the words, like, oh, this part's great. He comes out with a sheet and glasses. Like, I didn't do that. All right, I just, so all of, the, all of your various concern about expressing your love for this doesn't well, come out of nowhere. Yes, you, you've taken absolutely. actual life damage. Oh God, absolutely. Yeah. So there, there, there's a reason that I've I've been on the the down low. Okay. With my love of Michael Myers okay. a bit over the Fair years. Fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, oh, but to answer what, what it so was, uh, you, I normally ask specifically about Michael Bay uh, when I ask this question, oh. but I've, but I've gotten sick of beating up on Michael Bay. But you can if you want. Uh, is there any filmmaker we were like that is so not a match? I can't even imagine enjoying this. Or is your love well, for the franchise so great that you would give it a chance? Well, I threatened you earlier by saying that we would make some comparisons to Star Wars. We have not really done that yet, and we should do that now. Yeah. Because 10 years ago, uh, Rob Zombie made... That reboot, yeah. yeah. He made a reboot, and it was wildly uh, divisive with the Halloween community. Okay. Everybody was angry. Like, he's the Ryan Johnson of, okay. of the Halloween community. At the time, uh, he made The Devil's Rejects, which I thought was great. It is a grimy, nasty, exploitative movie. But when I heard Rob Zombie was doing it, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Give him a shot. Yeah. And I went and saw it, and I hated it. It was terrible. I know I would have never dreamt of like tweeting shit at him or yeah. trolling him or anything. <laughs> I just thought it was enough to not like the movie. Yeah. He wound up doing a sequel to that movie, which is a bit better, but that's not saying much. But but he was somebody uh, that like everybody is still angry at. Yeah, there are filmmakers like like Michael Bay would do a pretty bad job. Like Michael Bay was the producer of a lot of the reboots of he did he was a producer of a reboot of Friday Thirteenth, okay, and Nightmare on Elm Street and Six Chainsaw Massacre, and all of them are terrible from uh, the late nineties, early aughts. Okay, so I, I think that would be terrible. I can't think of like who's my least favorite movie maker, but. Uh, yeah, there's there are people. If they were in charge, I would be less inclined to see it. But the the one that's coming out is being directed by David Gordon Green, as co-written by uh, Danny McBride. Okay, and I have to say, it's it's very. I feel like their hearts are in the right place. Yeah, 
So, yeah, everybody seems very excited in the early reviews from yeah. the blue side at festivals or whatnot. Love it. But so there, but you would go to the theater if it really was not Michael Bay producing. Michael Bay saying like four years from now, like, I oh, I'm doing I'm doing a follow up to that. I, I don't think I I don't. I don't think I'd see it in a theater if it was someone I actively hated. Okay. I would probably wait. Okay, so you, you would watch it eventually. I would watch it eventually. Okay, understandable. Uh, would you fight with family members at a holiday dinner about Halloween? <sighs> fight with family? Well, I mean, why would I need that to fight with family members over? <laughs> okay, so you, you don't need You to- don't call, Joseph. <laughs> Uh, oh, they don't even call you by your preferred name, huh? I, 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 not now, no. Actually, I, I've mellowed out, which I'm very happy about. Yeah. Like, when you said you hadn't seen Halloween until the other day, I think me 15 years ago would have been like, what? what? How could you not have seen that? <laughs> and that is such a boring way to be. Yeah. You should, you should be excited for people to discover things. Yeah. I am constantly discovering horror movies that... You know, my friends who are super into horror can't believe I hadn't seen. But I think it's great to go back and constantly be learning. And yeah. I, I should pass no judgment on that. Okay, so yeah, it does seem like you have, in general, got to the place where you want uh, your loves to be an inclusive thing. Absolutely. And so if somebody, even even an opinion that really annoyed you, that said, the Rob Zombie Halloween is better than the original, you'd just be like, fine. And I've had that. And I my, my nephew said that, like, okay. like t- um, 10 or 12 years ago. <laughs> and and I was on the process of where I was now, so I was just like, oh, you guys. Uh, are young <laughs> you'll grow out of your you'll grow out of it okay fair enough fair enough uh if laurie strode was real and had a gofundme would you donate to it absolutely yeah i about love, time fate smiled on her i love laurie strode and i think she's gotten short shrift over the years in terms of merchandise in oh terms yeah of, in terms of you know images like I, just now they announced uh this beautiful poster which is Lori in the closet holding a knife. Now, of course, she's being attacked, but still, yeah. you never see her on any of the artwork. Um, my friend Chris Bilheimer is the art director for Alamo Draft House. He's all, he also used to be the art director for REM and Green Day, and he's done the artwork for the last couple John Carpenter albums, which is amazing for me. He's my best friend. Yeah. And he was asking me for ideas, and I said, you know, if you could incorporate laurie strode and at the time he had already done some stuff and he's like well i can't i'm you know i'm kind of past it but i I, i'd like to see the women from the movie yeah you know there are action figures there are uh, there are many michael myers action figures there's none of the heroines of these slasher movies there should be an amy Steele action figure from uh, friday 13th there should be a heather langenkamp action figure nancy from uh from uh uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. It bothers me that we constantly are just showing, I, I don't know if it bothers me, but it would be cool if you incorporated, and not by some sort of politically correct, it's just like, I love these characters too, yeah. why don't we celebrate them? Yeah, I totally felt that way, like, obviously I love the movie for exactly what it is, but so much of the movie is Laurie yeah. kind of growing up and processing things and thinking about what she wants in her relationships with her friends, and like... I was so compelled by just what was going on in Lori's life. I'd be like, if this was just a movie about her and her friends <laughs> yeah, <laughs> growing up together, you know, I'd watch this. Yeah, uh, I, I want to see more of that. So if there was a GoFundMe, you know, she has a lot of problems. She's stabbed in the arm and yeah. she fell down the stairs and she has trauma. And I'm, I'm going to learn what 40 years of that trauma yeah. uh, has done to her in this new movie. 
Excellent. Uh, would you have a Halloween-themed birthday party where everyone had to dress up as a character from the movie? Well, I would, but I've had variations of that oh, already. Really? Yes. On my 40th birthday, uh, a <laughs> little ways back, um, Dana uh, arranged that we... She arranged uh, a limo to take me and a bunch of friends uh, to play this game, which is Whirly Ball. Whirly Ball is like a cross between... Uh, like uh, bumper cars and lacrosse. Okay. And in the limousine, uh, she had the movie Halloween playing. (laughs) And it was amazing. Um, She also had the movie My Left Foot. Because (laughs) when I was, a story from high school is that I took a girl I was dating uh, who was going, who was thinking about dumping me. I arranged a surprise date where I rented a limousine. And then (laughs) we're just like, she's there. It's her birthday. She knows she wants to dump me. And here comes a limousine. (laughs) And so we go and we go to Philadelphia and we, you know, we went to see the movie My Left Foot because it was an art film. Yeah. Like initially I was like, well, we could see Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. She's like, that doesn't sound romantic. So we saw My Left Foot. So Dana, knowing the story, she also played My Left Foot in the limousine. That's hilarious. But when the time came for the cake... The cake was a jack jack o' lantern. Oh, nice! Michael Myers came out. My birthday is uh, on Monday, October fifteenth, so okay. it's always part of the season anyway. But yeah, I would absolutely have people dress up as Michael Myers. Awesome, awesome! This is the uh, final how obsessed are you question. If you were about to watch this new Halloween movie for the first time, but a bear wearing a scary mask blocked your way into the theater, would you try to get around the bear? <sighs> how do I answer this without sounding? feeble uh you can sound as feeble as you want is it an actual bear there is a bear wearing a mask you can decide what kind of mask or i can decide let's say a clown mask well i I like the idea that the bear needs a mask to be scary (laughs) well i'm just otherwise i'm just like that's just a salmon eating goof (laughs) look at you the mask is just you know for extra spooky halloween time i i would probably uh relent and just I'd, I'd pull out movie pass and I would look at other showtimes. <laughs> so I don't know what that says about me. Uh, I think I'm a, a wimp. A healthy desire to live? Yes. I think that's good. And I think that's, if you've learned anything from Laurie Strode, it should be that. Okay. That you should strive to live. Strive to live. Yes. When live you see strive. a scary masked killer who may or may not be your brother, right. turn around the other way. If it's a bear, also do the same. Yeah. Yes. Go in the direction away from the mask. That's killers. the stop, drop, and roll of slasher <laughs> movies. I ask everyone to make a noise to sum up their obsession. What kind of noise do you have for this obsession? Hmm. <laughs> like, that's some of the... Sorry. But those are some of the sort of stings you might hear. Okay. It's called uh, the cattle prod is what John Carpenter call it. Okay. The cattle prod treatment, just put that sound in this there. This is the sudden loud sound. Sudden loud. Like lulled you into a sense of calmness. Cat on the synth. <laughs> cat on the synth. Uh, ask everyone to rate their obsession on a scale of 1 to 11, because uh, there's a total of 11 of these movies, right? Yes. Uh, 1 being the lowest, 11 being the highest. How obsessed do you think you are? I'd say I'm an 8. I am a functioning okay. Halloween obsessive, <laughs> and... I'm able to converse about other things. Yeah. I could conceal it if need be. Sounds like you have. And I have, uh, but I'm just determined that just to let my Halloween horror flag fly. Yeah. And just not give a shit anymore. It's, this is, this is who I am. Yeah. So, 
you know, I'm, I'm not going to apologize for it. Yeah, I don't think there's anything to apologize for. No, not at all. Uh, it, like, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a horror nerd. Yeah, nice healthy eight ever since you were frozen there as a child, standing up in amber, <laughs> watching Jurassic Park that film. <laughs> uh, do you have things that you want to plug where people can find your Adult Swim stuff, social media? Yeah, um, if anyone wants to converse about Halloween, now that I'm open to it, uh, you can find me at at Murder Wizard. Nice. <laughs> uh, on either Twitter or on Instagram. Uh, and that, that name is derived from a comment I saw on an episode of Hannibal years ago, <laughs> which said, I can understand him being some sort of murder wizard who goes about the city. And I just stuck with me. I thought it was funny. And that's all. No spaces. Murder wizard. At murder wizard. And then please uh, check out adultswim.com. We do live shows every weekday. And you can see my dumb face on Stupid Morning Bullshit at 6 p.m. And you can hear me sing songs that sound like other famous songs occasionally <laughs> during Fish Center, which streams at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Excellent. Here are some quick plugs uh, for this, and then we'll do our final weird questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host that is called Four Center, not Fish Center, Four ah, Center. Nice. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com, and you can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, you can go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. All right, final questions. Don't have anything to do uh, with your main obsession, but they are spooky Halloween-themed for these Halloween episodes. Oh, good. If you could shoot one of these two things out of your hand, which would you choose? Knives or candy corn? Candy corn. Candy corn. Why yeah. is that? Well, people hate candy corn more than <laughs> knives, to be honest with you. I Candy corn has a bad rep. It really as does. As far as I'm concerned. Because, I, you know, I eat maybe three every 18 months okay but i enjoy them <laughs> not even on halloween 18 months yeah just like i space them out but i i think they're 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 delightful but yeah. just but only three like if you eat more than three you hate yourself yeah but i mean if i shot them from like like spidey yeah sense like oh my god how delightful would that be yeah would you use them when you're hungry would you i would use them for good because like they're colorful and so i could just like just make this like rainbow like arc <laughs> of halloween deliciousness in just, the sky just if someone was bummed out you'd be like hey look at this look at this <laughs> <laughs> a big blast of candy corn what's my mutant ability papa and boom <laughs> if you could be a vampire a zombie or a ghost which would you choose You know, the, the, the climate change has me rethinking being a vampire. <laughs> That's who who cares if you can live yeah. that long because you're just gonna be flooded anyway. Yeah, I will go with ghost. Okay. Just floating about being a voyeur. Yeah. So would you want to be the kind of ghost who is stuck in a location because you have business there, or would you want to be just I'd like to bounding roam. around? Okay. Well, I mean, if I could choose, I'd like to roam freely. Yeah, okay. The idea of being stuck anywhere is not, <laughs> it's not who, fun. Who chooses that? It's not fun. It's not all great I being a ghost. dominate this space. If you were a ghost who could just float around, where where would you go? Would you just like hang out in movie theaters? Would you follow like one person around to just kind of see how they live life? Well, there's no... I mean, if you think about it, if you're a ghost, there's no reason why you can't see every first run showing. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, you could just go wherever you want it's and just the sit there and just float. Yeah, you could ghost. just float above the crowd and just watch whatever you... That's <laughs> how I would choose to be a ghost. Okay. 
Nice. Like, I would not spy on friends. I would spy on friends. <laughs> Why am I lying? I would totally do that. All right. The final question for everyone on the podcast is, what is happiness? Well, to quote James Taylor, it's enjoying the passage of time. And do you uh, believe that? Do you <laughs> no, believe James no. Taylor? <laughs> no. I, I, he, I, he's, I heard him say that once, and I was like, oh, that's a pretty deep answer. I'll, yeah. I'll write that down in case podcasts exist in the future. <laughs> uh, what is happiness? Happiness is, for me, especially of late, is being comfortable in your own skin. Okay. And that's been, uh, it's an ongoing project, but I'm way farther along than I used to be. It allows me to connect with other people and allows me to enjoy what I enjoy without feeling bad about it or guilty about it. Yeah. So I'm closer to happiness, ironically, during this strange part of my life than yeah. I've ever been. And I, I will just keep getting there. That's awesome. I think yeah. that's a great answer that, that uh, happiness can be uh, admitting you're an eight on the uh, Halloween obsession scale. Absolutely. And, yeah. and sharing that with other people mm-hmm. and just sharing who, who and you not, really are. And not fearing that, oh, if only I were a 10. Like getting into the competitive fandom. It's like, yeah. you know, I'm quite happy where I am. If it was lower, I'd be happy where I am. Yeah, because it's just your honest truth. Yes. That is awesome. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thank you for talking to me. Absolutely. That is our podcast. That, that That's it. <laughs> Listening to Obsessed, Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. So one last thing about Michael Myers is that, of course, the mask is William Shatner's face. Well, my father resembled William Shatner. That's who he looked like. So I think on some sort of internal level, when I'd see Michael Myers, I would think of my father, who also was not very communicative and kind of silent and unknowable. And my father's birthday, October 31st.